Welcome to Wind Down with Kev, a weekly podcast with Kevin Spann, the insurance guru. Each week, listen to Kevin discuss current hot topics with community leaders, business owners, and more. Welcome to Wind Down with Kev. So excited to be shooting a brand new episode tonight. I am Kevin Spann, the insurance guru, Kevin Spann, the Allstate agent, but coming to you tonight in my alter ego as the host of Wind Down with Kev. I have a wonderful, exciting guest for you tonight. We're shooting from inside Stewart Cinema and Cafe. I'm with the wonderful Emmeline Stewart, the proprietor, owner of Stewart Cinema and Cafe. And uh, she and I, it's a very COVID safe place. We've established our six feet of distance between each other. So we're gonna remove our masks. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you can see our guests. And Emmeline, I'm gonna let you introduce yourself to the people and I'm gonna pour us a glass of wine. Okay, so tell the people who you are. Well, welcome. I am Emmeline Stewart. I uh, am the owner of Stewart Cinema and Cafe, located here in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. I'm the founder of October Film Festival and uh, executive producer of some film and TV projects. So happy to have you here. Beautiful, beautiful. An excuse for me to have a drink. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. So, Emily, you did a good job of giving the people your business resume, but there's so much more to you on the personal side. Yeah. So I'm going to give you another chance at a first impression, and I need you to tell the people about your beautiful family. We talked about your wonderful teenagers, so really get to let them know you as a person. Wow, okay. Well, I just turned 50, joined the 50-50 club. Well, no, that's not the 50-50 club. It's the way too fly to be 50 club, and you're way too fly to be 50. Way Way too fly to be 50, so welcome to the club. Okay, well, y'all know when you hear me say that. I got it from Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't just make it up. I I got it from Kevin. Way too fly to be 50. Way too fly to be 50. Way too fly to be 50. Yes. Um, And so I have two teenagers. Uh, my daughter is going to be 16 in a couple of weeks. Uh, my son's 17. Will be 18 in August. Outstanding. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So before we started, we had a wonderful conversation about yeah. this 16th birthday event that your daughter has planned. Oh. She has you going on this really incredible adventure. Talk about it. So yeah, originally we were going to do her sweet 16 sort of uh, birthday. We were going to celebrate in Italy with mom and we we're going to travel and that's out. So I said to her, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to go, remind me to never say that Uh-oh. again. Uh-oh, right? whatever you so, want to do, whatever so you want to do. we are headed to do some zip lining and bungee jumping and skydiving and bike riding and we're bike riding on the water and so she has this whole sort of adventurous thing planned and I'm I'm <laughs> I'm gonna come back and need a vacation. <laughs> so 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 Emily, my, my heart is dropping. I feel like I'm on a roller coaster right now. I struggle with heights. <gasps> and we're going to Bush Gardens. Oh my God. So yes. now you're gonna do the whole thing and you're riding through the whole parkway up there. Yeah. Have you ever skydived before? No. Has your daughter ever done it before? No. But you have raised an incredible daughter that she would think is something so adventurous, and it speaks volume about you that you'd be willing to take such, such a courageous trip. Yeah, I had, that was before I knew what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's too late, so oh. now I, I've got to go forward with it. But you know, you, you know, I want to be. We have them for such little time when you mm-hmm. think about it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, your kids are absolutely grown. I, I have <laughs> totally grown ones. Grown. I'm 16, soon to be 17 yeah. year old too. So these moments are precious, and I think yeah. the most important thing to do is to create special memories uh, that they never will yeah. forget. And um, yeah. I'm not going on a trip, but I'll never forget this. This is uh, there, <laughs> yeah. there's levels yeah. of amazement. So that that's yeah. definitely definitely amazing. So. We know that the 16-year-old is adventurous, and we talked about your 17-year-old. You said he's more of a gamer. He is into video gaming, and he was the inspiration behind our video gaming sessions here in the theater, Okay. where teenagers are able to come in with their own controllers, hook up to our system, and, and play Super Smash Brothers on our big screen. Uh, and so he supervises that. Wow. And so, yeah, so it gives him a sense of responsibility, but also he gets to do something he loves and gives the players tips and stuff. So it's, yeah. And a couple of years ago, I took him to the Video Gaming Awards. Okay. That made me Mother of the Year, Okay, for sure. okay. This is, it's, it's not the quantity, but the quality of things yes. that you do yes. that's uh, yes. 
unforgettable. So years ago, I read a book, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, mm -hmm. uh, Stephen Covey. Yes. And he talked about roles and goals. And he did that exercise, I'm sure you've seen in business meetings, where you put the big things in first. Yes. And as long as you do the major things for the kids, for our significant mm -hmm. others, if you do that first, then you can get all the other little things done around as long as you make them feel special. And certainly yeah. you've gotten that done and you're continuing to do it with, uh, with your kids. I gotta tell you, you know, when they were little, I did a lot of traveling, you know, early in your career. Yeah, I was in LA and Atlanta, I was on, in a reality show, so I was traveling back and forth. And I used to worry because they had a nanny and I thought, oh my God, my kids, they're gonna grow up and be screwed up because I'm always gone and I'm running around. But you know, now is the time that they need me most. Of course. When they're little, they belong to whoever feeds them and yes. whoever changes their diaper and they love whoever, you know, is gonna sing to them and read them books. And I was, I stressed myself so much when they were little, feeling terrible, concerned I was missing, you know, the first step. And excellent, well, taking him to the, uh video game and awards that's definitely mother of the year type yes. stuff to yes. me that's how if you he get could have given me an award he would have <laughs> <laughs> that's how you buy the big brownie points that last yeah. a long time and you create those cherishing uh, yeah. memories for a lifetime so you just said something i didn't know about you mentioned that early on in your childhood you were in a reality show what reality show were you part of? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's out there so now. So I was um, in Atlanta okay. in a Spanish reality show called okay. Atlanta Boss Divas Latina. Okay. And I hate to say it, but I was the only boss that wasn't a diva. Okay. And so I only lasted one season <laughs> because I could not, I couldn't wrap my head around the bickering and the fighting that made the show interesting. Okay. So it turns out I'm not that interesting <laughs> because I don't like drama. Oh my God. And I'm not a diva. And so, yeah. I, I, I think my watches, my listeners, and I think our audience would definitely uh, disagree because you are interesting, but you're just interested in other ways. So yeah. we're coming uh, to you live with this podcast. As I said in the opening, we're in Stewart Cinema and Cafe in Brooklyn, in the Greenpoint section. Um, you posted something hilarious, but interesting from a business standpoint, where you posted, uh, someone shared, uh, what is it like to be a black business in a white community? And you answered it, mentioning that you're black Latina, and you went on from there. So let's talk about that for a little while. You know, I get that question all the time. People are like, well, why did you pick this spot, you know? One is because a lot of the movie studios are in this area, mm -hmm. and that's what we do, and that's one of our bigger clients. Um, but also, I felt like there needs to be an opportunity to bring our culture to different neighborhoods. And so this was a perfect opportunity, hence we sell empanadas, now we're selling tamales, uh, chicken tortilla soup was our Coquito. soup today. Coquito for Christmas, yeah. And so, but I, I really believe, and my answer to that question is that if you treat everyone equally, with respect and consideration, you'll be okay. I absolutely can relate to that. Me being African American, my business is located in Middle Village, a majority mm -hmm. uh, oh, so white, you know. Italian, German community. Yeah. I've treated everyone with dignity and respect. Mm -hmm. They've been great to me in return, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't want my business to be any place else. So I thought that was a, a great question and um, a great answer that you gave. But yeah. um, I would be remiss. We're in the middle of this beautiful theater, your cinema. Um, everybody wants to be, growing up, everyone wants to be in front of the camera. Uh, some people want to be behind the camera, but you are in the theater. Let's talk about the dream. Before we talk about when the theater was actually open, where did the dream and the inspiration come from to open your own theater? You know, I just wanted to help people. That's what it boils down to. Somebody gave me a script and he said, you know, nobody would help me make this movie. I didn't know anything about the entertainment industry. I did have some friends at networks, but I didn't really know anything. And I read the script and I thought, this is funny. I think it's funny. I had some money, so I said, I'll help you. I had no idea what I was getting into. I don't know what. So I called my friend, actually he was working at NBC at the time, and I said, hey, I'm gonna make a movie. 
dead silence on the phone. <laughs> I'm like, hello? Oh my God. Oh my and God. he said, what kind of movie? Mm -hmm. I said, oh, I think it's going to be a short film. I still wasn't even clear what I was doing. Um, he said, you're going to lose all your money. You know that, right? Wow. And I said, yeah, I heard that short films don't make any money. I said, but I really want to help this guy because I feel like he's talented and nobody believes in him. And, and so I, I, I want to put my money behind this guy. What do you know about him? Has he directed other stuff? Has he written other stuff? I'm like, no, this is his first everything. Wow. This will be my first producing gig. And so I paid a ton of money to, okay. to produce this because I didn't know what I was doing. And, but it, it won awards. And oh once it started winning, okay. and we flew out to LA for the LA awards and stuff, I was like, wait a minute. So I could do this for a lot of people if yes. I could just figure out how to make money yes. doing it. And there started. Then after that, um, I did another film, and then I did a web series, 12 Steps to Recovery. We did 22 episodes. Wow. And we got 2.1 million views. Oh my at God. At the time, it had gotten picked up oh, by give a me broadcasting. A day. What's, our, what's our time frame? How many years ago are we talking? Probably uh, 2018. 2018, okay. No, 20, what year was it? 20, all the people in the background there. <laughs> Okay, so maybe like 2010, yeah, so it's been so many things, but yes, so maybe like 2010, and I didn't really know a lot, I just knew that this was another great project that I read, and I thought this should be a TV series, this is wonderful. So we started the whole web, web series route, and, and that won a bunch of awards. I won Best Producer for it and all this wow. stuff. And I was like, okay. So I was on a roll at that point. And I was like, okay, so I could do this. And once I figured out how to make money, a, then, I, then the rest is history. <laughs> so I hear, I hear two things in what you're saying. The, the purpose of all businesses is to solve a problem. Yes. Whatever that is, the yes. idea of a business is to solve a problem. Yes. You saw a person with a great script that didn't know how to produce it. So for the audience and for me as well, by definition, what is a producer? Is the producer the one that solely finances a movie project? Or does the producer go out and get other sponsors in the movie, the money that it takes to produce it? So there are many different kinds of producers. Um, we only normally see producers and executive producers, but producers could do a lot of things. They can be the people who bring the talent. Okay. And they would get a producer credit. They could be the person that finds the financing. Um, normally people who provide financing or find financing are called executive producers. But that could be given to anyone who's made a major contribution to the, to the film. Sometimes you'll see the lead actors are also executive producers. Yes. Which means they put in some money or they did something major to help the film to uh, be made. So in my case, most times I was the investor and also the person running the business aspect of the film or the project. And what are some of the business things behind a film? We all come to the theater, we look at the big screen, we want to see it, we want to laugh at a comedy, we want to cry, we want to be scared for a, a horror, but what are the things behind the, behind the camera? Wow, there's so many elements. I don't know if you've ever been on a, on a movie set, there's hundreds of people working mm -hmm. because it takes a lot of people to bring a project to life. And even when you're talking about an independent film, destiny. Even though I will say it's a misconception that when you work for yourself, you can kind of control your schedule. No, it's you not don't. True. You have the more bosses. The client controls your if schedule. You, working for yourself doesn't mean you don't have a boss. You have thousands of bosses. Yes. And you report to <laughs> all of them. Everything yes. that's on your calendar this month, Yes. you're accountable to everyone that's booked this yes. place. So you have thousands of bosses that you have to And listen. how is that better than having one boss? No, it's not. It's, it's not. It's demanding. We're but, good we, but we don't know that. I'm gonna catch a B-roll. I'm letting y'all talk. Okay. Just tell me when. Okay. Okay. Um, where we were, we were talking about definition of a producer. So I'm gonna segue uh -huh. now into another area. So um, let me see where I'm at. Okay. All right. So we're talking about producing movies. Um, you're pursuing your passion, and there's nothing greater than pursuing your passion. Um, but your love for movies, tell me, it has to come from a place where you just love movies. So, top three movies all time. What I got to tell you that it's a misconception Is that about right? the movies. You know what I love? What's that? 
making money. Making money. So it wasn't about the movies. It was about the, the movies money. is the product. Okay. Right? It was about not just money, but power. And the okay. ability to control the narrative. Okay. Right? And so I don't even watch that many movies. But I'm a person who loves the arts in general. Okay. Who understands the struggle of the artist. And so for me, that really has always been sort of, I'm, I, and I say this all the time, I'm just a businesswoman who loves the arts. Okay. So, so let, let's go there. So I was going to say, I had heard a long time ago, there was a Harvard study that said they studied a group of students that pursued money, mm -hmm. the high-end careers we've all heard of, the doctor, mm -hmm. lawyer, so on and so forth. And they also studied another group of students that pursued their passions. Yeah. 20 years later, the people that pursued their passions were both happier and wealthier. Yeah. So when you say you're pursuing the money. Not I, necessarily the I money got it. per se. Got it. Right. But just I, the, right. Just the, just the ability. Um, because we know we're not really able to help people from a position of poverty. No. You're, you yeah, know that, right? Absolutely. And so it's not so much about uh, making money as it is about uh, having the ability to control what happens with money. Yes. Right? We can make it and still not be able to control it. Yes. Right? So there's this, and, and I can take you for days into that whole situation. No, but, but it's yeah. good though, because when you use power, I take that to mean being impactful. Absolutely. The money that you can make by helping, bad set of words, starving artists learn yeah. how to make money. Yes. That's powerful and that's yes. empowering and that's fulfilling. So I know that's one of your driving forces, but certainly I thought there was a love of movies behind it. There isn't that one, two or three movies that's you know, because I love filmmakers, <laughs> and because I think they all, even the worst movie, okay. has something good in it. Okay. Um, I'm going to refrain from answering that question. <laughs> I got it. I got it. You've made a lot of friends in the business, and if you give me the one, two, three, four, They're five, be like, and six. Why didn't you say my movie? Why didn't you say I it? I thought okay, you loved uh, my movie. I got it. You're also helping uh, short film makers. Yeah. Um, so I get yeah. it. We'll, we'll yeah. take that question back. Okay, you produce one movie, you produce several movies after that, and then you start the October Film Fest. Yeah. Talk to me about that. So part of the whole process of being an independent filmmaker and being a filmmaker, period, is you have to go to these film festivals, whether it's Sundance or a smaller festival, and so you go around, and that's sort of the way you promote your film, right? With the idea that hopefully it'll be picked up or purchased or you'll just grow your fan base, whatever it is, film festivals are really necessary. And so I was traveling to all of these film festivals by myself, um, and the first problem I discovered is that nobody, I didn't know where to go. There's nobody guiding me. I didn't know anyone at the time. This was early on. And I thought like, so no one is gonna like introduce me to anyone? No one's gonna, no. They would yeah. show my film and send me home. And there would be events and I would have to go and work the room and thankfully I could do that. But I was like, and I would see other women sort of standing to the side and, and just some, some filmmakers who are more introvert and kept to themselves. It was a pointless situation. They weren't really making any connections. They weren't networking. Um, and because also the environments that are created are not conducive for that. And I um, went to a, and this was sort of the icing for me. I went to a film festival and I screened my movie along with other filmmakers. And my movie was terrible. <laughs> Kevin, when I tell you, compared to these other films that screen on my block time, it was horrible. Wow. And I thought, why am I here? I wanted the earth to like swallow me, but it didn't. <laughs> so, so I had to sit there and I thought, you know, this is really terrible right. that these filmmakers who have these amazing films are having to screen their film with my terrible film. So then, to make matters worse, I won. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, no, that was not a good thing. So it so. was a, a false sense of achievement. So what I discovered is that film festivals are very political. 
and I was chosen because I was giving money to the festival, ah. because I was a producer, because I was an investor. It's a pay-to-play world, I, I understand. Right, exactly. And I thought, this is not right. I had to walk past all these amazing filmmakers to pick up my award. <laughs> And had to then walk back to my yes. <laughs> back to my seat, and I thought this is not right. Wow! But then I discovered that a lot of film festivals are this way, because it it, it, it is a money making machine, mm -hmm. right? And so you need to have you have to honor the people who give you money. Right. The sponsors need to get shout outs and special things so they get their movies put in. And it was all of these like issues that I thought were wrong. Right. So on my way back to New York on the plane, I said, you know, I'm going to just start my own film festival that's clean. That doesn't, it doesn't matter wow. who you are. It doesn't wow. matter that you have nobody that I know in your film, that I've never heard of you. If your film is good, we're going to give you a platform to be able to showcase that. And then I'm going to create environments where people could actually network and get to know each other. And so that's what I did. And so the festival has been a place where people come to learn, to get resources, to network. We are good at that. Um, women who come by themselves. And I know every filmmaker by name. And every year I am at the festival every single day. There are festivals I've never met the owners, I never met the founders. I don't know who they are. <laughs> and we're sitting here, this is a International Women's Day, as, yes. as we sit and as we record this. Um, that, Emmalyn, to me is the definition of power. Yeah. Because you are now making the rules. You're not playing by anyone else's uh, rules. As a man, I can see it and honestly say that's probably why men are afraid for women to be in power because you're going to disregard the old structure and yeah. build your own way of doing business from your heart. And you've done it. It's not just the fear that you might did it, do it. You've actually done it. And I think that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, but that's what women bring to the table in leadership. We bring an element of compassion, mm -hmm. right, of empathy. Mm -hmm. We are solving problems that don't necessarily generate money, but are good for society. Yes. And are good for children and are yeah. good for families, right? And so those are the things that we do. And, and that's you, why we need more women in power. <laughs> without, any, without any question, I think I shared with you that I'm from a family of seven, Five girls, two boys, oh, yeah. you know, just strong women role models around me my whole life. So I understand women make it happen regardless of what they have or don't have. They make it happen regardless. Mama is going to take care of business and it's going to get done. So if you go back to what I said earlier, the purpose of a business is to solve a problem. Yes. And you've built your business around solving problems. And um, we're in this beautiful theater. So. Let's talk about the theater. Let's talk about when you first opened the theater, um, about what it was when you first opened it, and then we're going to talk about um, how you reinvented it uh, this past year and navigated everything with COVID. Yeah, so originally, I didn't want to open a movie theater because <laughs> I couldn't even wrap my head around that early in the process, but out of necessity. Um, and what I find is that uh, in the industry, mm -hmm. in the entertainment industry, when I have an issue, millions of other people have the same problem. And so I had a faith-based film, okay. my first faith-based film, and I'm thinking it's about Jesus. Who doesn't want to see this, right? In my mind, right? so I'm thinking, okay. So we did this film, and then I went to a couple of people trying to get it, get a theatrical distribution. Right. And ultimately, it was, it was one person who got to decide that my film wasn't worthy to be in theaters, that there wasn't an audience for it. You know, it wasn't like it was Passion of the Christ or anything. And, and you're thinking, I, I know people that want to see this. And I left there thinking, so this one person is going to determine the future of this film? Why? Why is that? Why does he get to decide? that this shouldn't be in theaters. I said, I'm gonna build my own movie theater and I'll decide what should be in movie theaters. So Emily, what, what is it about you that allows you to turn these moments where most people would take that rejection and just accept it? Some people would take that rejection and here in 2021, they may go to social media and they may complain about it. 
What is it about you that when things don't work out the way that it's scripted to work out, that gives you that drive to be a creator, be an inventor, be an influencer, and, and change the game? So I grew up in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, predominantly uh, white neighborhood. And I heard a lot of no's growing up. No, you can't. No, you don't belong. No, you shouldn't. And what I learned is that that cannot be the final answer for me. And so when I hear no, anyone on my team will tell you, <laughs> when I hear no, that in my head translates to you have an issue, yes. whatever that is, yes. that you don't want this done. And I really think that sometimes we have the means to fix things, but we're not taught to do that. Right. We're taught to do what you said. Right. You say, okay, well, I guess it, I'm going to have to put this movie on YouTube because, you know, I, there's no way I'm going to make any money off of it. Right. Like, that is unacceptable right. to me. Right. And so, you know, with this theater, I went to the banks. I went to investors who had already given me money for lots of other things that weren't that great. <laughs> um, and I couldn't find anybody to give me money for this because there was this idea that I was going to be catering to artists and artists have no money. Mm -hmm. So there would be no way that I could make money from this place. Yeah. But what they didn't understand was that I knew I was the only food place for 10 blocks. Yes. So there's nowhere else to get food on West but here. And I knew that the studios in the area would need a place nearby to hold their extras, to have meetings, to do presentations. And I knew that film festivals couldn't afford AMC and Regal, the smaller festivals, so they were gonna need a place, right? I knew that people wanted to celebrate birthdays outside of clubs. Yes. And they wanted to maybe watch a movie. And so I knew that the seniors in the community needed somewhere to go during the day. And I knew that the kids needed somewhere to play video games at yes. night, right? And I knew that there was a church that needed a home that yes. meets here on Sundays, yes. right? And so when I drew this out, I had at least 25 means of income. Well-defined target markets within the community. You're in Brooklyn. I think it's two point some odd million people. Yes. The, well, you know, one of yes. the largest uh, yes. Cities yes. and in the country, mm -hmm. and you define your markets. So That's you, right. you define your markets. You open up 2018. Yes. Okay. Yes. So this was a warehouse. There was trucks parked in here. <laughs> so there was no wall. There was nothing. But I had the vision. And as you know, because I know you're a visionary, right? Mm -hmm. Being a visionary is so painful mm -hmm. because I get up and I see things that no one else can see. Yes. So I saw this built mm -hmm. and I, I was just, you know, looking for the place where I could make it the way I saw it. Right. And the chairs, the car, everything that you see is mm -hmm. how I saw it in my vision. Yes. And once I knew I had the business aspect of it locked down mm -hmm. and I knew how I was going to generate income and I knew how we were going to serve the artist. I knew how we were going to serve the community. I was solving multiple problems. And so I had to self-finance. Right. And then, but that was another crossroads, right? So I can't get an investor. I don't have any partners. And the bank doesn't want to fund this. So what do I do? I said, well, why would I not invest my own money in my own vision? Absolutely. Because if they don't believe in it, is that so that so I go home, I pack up and go no. home? And more more importantly, um, you believed in it. That's it. And so for everyone <laughs> watching yes. this, it's very important that you believe yes. in your dream yes. Yes. more than others. If you aren't willing to bet on it, then why should someone else go in on yeah. your dream? You know, yes. some people will stop, I'll come to you. Emily, yeah. I've got a great idea. The only thing I need to get started is $1,000 from you. And you're going to be like, well, Kevin, what are you, what are you putting in on you it? You have got to have, and that's the one secret yes. that people don't, they don't, you have to have skin in the game. You have to. You and have even to. if it's a little bit of skin. It's yours. Even if it's $200. It's yours. You have had to make an, you have to make an investment in what you believe in before other people would come on board. And that really is what I did. I, I, so I liquidated all of my assets and bet all of my money on me. 
else would you bet on? I have been betting on a lot of people. Every time that you buy a shirt. Yes. With a brand. Yes. You're investing in that brand. Absolutely. Every time you eat somewhere, you're investing in that place. Absolutely. But yet something about that, we can't invest in ourselves. Yes. In what we see for yes. ourselves. People will design clothes and not and not want to spend the money that it takes to promote that clothing line, right? It takes. But we'll spend thousands of dollars on somebody else's brand, sneakers, you, yes. know, you name it. Whatever it might be. Yes. Whatever, yes. whatever yes. it might be, you're you're giving incredible wisdom. So we're we're talking about you in the theater. We're talking about you opening this. Um, I want to stay in the theater before I go to yeah. my next place. So one of the things that made you solid in your foundation, knowing that you had a market, is that uh, if you're watching this, you can see that we're in a lovely theater. Mm -hmm. uh, what the viewer can't see yet is the wonderful store that you have out front with the wonderful food, the wings, the empanadas, and all of the variety yes. of things that we have. Yes. Um, it's, it's wonderful because you marry two things. You marry the need for food. There's an audience here that needs to get breakfast, lunch, and an early dinner. And um, so you have that as the attraction. And then you've served the community by having the theater and for all the events that you talked about. It's 2018, 2019. You and I met in the beginning of 2020. We were on the set of uh, both our mutual good friend, Dre's House radio show. That's right. We did, That's uh, right. We did Dre's House radio mm -hmm. show, mm -hmm. and uh, that was January of 2020. And two months later, the world as we know it mm -hmm. came to a screeching halt. You're in one of the most impacted businesses yes. by that. New York City, some things that people could never imagine being closed were closed. Yes. No Broadway, no, <laughs> no movie, movie theaters, theaters. Yes. and no local movie theaters. That's right. So my advice to you, if I were to go back in that time, <laughs> would be for you to accept the answer no, get some tissue, dry your eyes, and go home. Is that what you did? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, honey. No, baby. Not me. <laughs> Not what, me. What did you do? How did you handle it? So the first thing was to figure out what people needed. Mm -hmm. So we immediately said, okay, what do we have that people need and how do we create an environment where we are essential, yes. right? Because only essential people could work. Yes. I could not be home and not work. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I knew that there were elements of this place that were essential. Yes. And so we started by helping people fill out their unemployment papers. Outstanding. Right? So we provided laptops here in the theater, you know, 10, 20 feet apart. People would come in and we would sanitize the laptops and they'd be able to log in and do whatever work they needed, look for jobs, whatever it was, file for papers. Um, then we started giving out free DVDs on the honor system. Come, get a DVD, you watch it at home, then you bring it back. Giving right? people a way to mentally wind yes, down and make it through. Yes, and still be able to enjoy movies, which is what we do. Yes. So we did that. And then we joined a couple of programs where we, at the end of the day, we could give free food to people in the community. Uh, and so we just did everything that we could. So we had memorial services held here for people who died. When funeral homes could not have a That's place right. for a service. That's right. So we did that. We became cinema safe early in the process, which means that we, we became certified to be able to have and host things. Um, and we went through, you know, they upgraded our air system and they put hand sanitizers and they put a temperature thing and all of these restrictions. Um, and so we did that because we wanted to be able to serve. Yes. And But that was an additional expense, as you know. Because of course, you have, a you have to lay it out. Um, so we found ourselves making bigger financial investments through COVID. Yes. To be able to serve. Yes. Um, betting on the fact that we would survive to the end and thank God I can say that we are thriving. You've gone from surviving to thriving, and not only did you take care of yourself, mm -hmm. uh, I've read a lot of articles about what you've done for others. Yeah. Let's talk about what you've done for the other theaters, about the massive grant that you've yes. secured. Yes, and so one of the things, because I can't sit idly by mm -hmm. <laughs> when things are in disarray, so I um, got involved. So NATO is a National Association of Theater Owners, 
and they taught me how to lobby. And so then I started lobbying politicians about how we have to open movie theaters. And if we're not going to open, we need money, right? Because we have, we have rents we have to pay. There's a lot of expenses that go into, as you know, Absolutely. into having these um, brick and mortar stores. And um, so I was just making an argument for why. And why do people, you know, I was even in the commercial, why do people need movie theaters? It's not just about watching movies, no. right? It's an outlet. Yes. For some people, it's an educational, Yes. right? And, and it's family time. I don't know about you, but when I sit at home to watch a movie with my kids, if the dialogue is too long, yes. if the music is too slow, they're on their phone. Yes, they're I gone. I lose them. They're gone. They're it's gone. gone. Movie theaters are the only place where you are forced to focus because yes. you can't have your phone You have out, those two or three phone. hours, you're together. You're just, yeah, you're together. And so I started to just make arguments about how this is important. And then there's the aspect of how studios can't really make the money they used to make if they can't get theatrical distribution. That's where the bulk of the money is made right. for the big films. Right. And so once I had all those elements together, I, you know, I started to talk to Schumer, mm -hmm. Chuck Schumer at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to all of these representatives. Senator Chuck, Senator Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader right now as we that's speak. That's right. That's a kudos to him. I love him. <laughs> he, he has been amazing in just understanding and helping us. Um, and so, yeah, so we took that on. And SBOG, yes. which is the, the money that's given to theaters, and it's not just us. It's mm -hmm. movie theaters, it's Broadway, it's, there's restaurants in there, there's um, uh, big venues, Pretty there's arenas. Pretty much all of yeah. entertainment in New York City, New York State was completely shut down. And yes. people think of the people on the front end mm -hmm. of it. But on the back end of it, I insure people that work in these places. I insure yeah. the waiters, the waitresses, the bartenders, the, the bussers. We insure these people. So you know. And they've been unable to return to work. So um, what you've done, now we've talked about what you got done, but we haven't put a number to it, is what's the number of that, that you got that you secured? I think it's $50 million, is that correct? Actually, today, there was more added to the budget. Like give, give the people a number. So it's, it's, it's high. That's Significant. all I'm going to say. It's going to help it's, a lot of people. And yeah. your pattern is continuous. Yes. And now, so now I'm, right, so now I'm working with, with de Blasio's office, with the mentorship program, uh, helping small businesses. Because no one understands this better than me <laughs> since I've lived through it. Yes. Uh, just because we, as a small business, you don't know where to go. Every small business exists for the same reason you do, because they have a vision that they want yeah. to solve a problem. Yep. And that was taken away from them, their staff, whether it's one person or 10 people, it was all yep. taken away. And small businesses, um, I don't want to put a percentage to it, but we employ the majority of America. Most Americans work for small companies, not for big ones. So people don't realize that. No, it's 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 small businesses. It's local mm -hmm. businesses. People that um, can get to work that may not have transportation to drive very far. Yeah. It's all yeah. very very connected. So yeah. Um, kudos to you for what you've done for others, for yeah. what you've done for others. Uh, great example of just servant leadership, servant leadership constantly doing for others. And um, you know, forget about it, what's gonna yeah. happen for you because you've done that for others. So this is the question I was fighting off that I put off till later. With all that we've talked about with movies and producing and financing, you've talked a lot about financing and investing and your personal investment. Um, one would think that you would have an active academic background in film production, but that's not your academic no, background. My... You're a self-described Wall Street girl. Right, so I am a business major, okay. really, um, with a minor in sociology. So I definitely love the study of people yes. and society and, yes. and what makes people say yes. yes. <laughs> and what makes people say no and how do we persuade people? And, and what, are the, what are the acts as a society that we can engage in that can shift the narrative? Yes. Because that's really where the problem is, right? Yes. That, that we haven't figured that out completely in all areas. Yes. I think once we have figured that out, because we have the power, mm -hmm. we have 
the infrastructure in our communities. Mm -hmm. um, we just don't have the sort of sometimes a drive, right? Mm -hmm. Takes a lot because of drive. We, yeah, yeah. And then also just the knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so that's why when I was offered the position as a mentor for the Small Business Administration, I jumped at it. Yes. Not because I don't have a million things to do <laughs> and don't know how I'm going to find the time to do it, but because I thought there's so much I didn't know with mm -hmm. the health department mm -hmm. and just all of the codes and just all the, the stuff the that health, you don't know. The health department blew me away. I run an insurance agency. I have many years experience and I'm an expert in insurance. I know very little about health compliance, uh, but now I have to run a medical practice with the social distancing, with the temperature checks, with the hand washing, with the safety, with the customers, and with all of those yes. things. And you have to learn, and you have yes. to do, and you have to learn, and you have to do, and, and you have to And where do you going. go to learn? You don't. You, you, you don't. There really isn't a lot of uh, places because the city is putting it together on the fly. Other businesses have put it together on the fly. You did it without a roadmap. Yeah. You did not have any other theaters. The larger theaters cried, wiped their eyes, but they didn't get out. And, you know, here you have yeah. this young yeah. black Latina girl from Brooklyn that doesn't accept no for an answer that fought and delivered for all the others. And let me tell you why sometimes one of the lessons I learned when I couldn't get any financing and when I couldn't get anybody to buy into this, I, I probably for about 24 hours was like, woe is me. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. nobody's going to, what am I going to do? I mean, oh, this is terrible and I got to do this by myself and I don't really know what I'm doing and who, who opens a movie theater? Like, who do I call? <laughs> and when COVID happened, it was a blessing yes. that I had no partners, yes. that I had no investors. Yes and no loans. Yes, absolutely. So I had no debt yes. in the business. Yes. So that allowed me to be able to make my own decisions about whether I was going to be open or closed. You know, when you have a partnership, they're, they're, everybody has, you, you know how that is. To, you have people to answer to, yes. and you and I, if we're partners, we have to agree on the advertising, agree on the marketing. Yes. And you can't, you know, for all that we do well, <laughs> working with others, we're the kids that don't excel in the sandbox with the other kids. We don't. <laughs> I want to take my sandbox and yes. move out. Yes. <laughs> or I end up kicking people out of the sandbox. Funnest corporate exercise I went through many years ago, uh, four people around the table, uh -huh. there's a puzzle in the center of the table, and we have to put it together, together without talking. So this is how my exercise went. The pieces are there, we're moving it around, it's competitive, there are other people in the exercise. So I did with this. All by myself. Massive failure. Because you're supposed <laughs> to work with others. I don't right. have the skill set. What I see, what I'm driven to do, um, that's what I do. So I imagine you may not have fared well in that exercise either. No, probably <laughs> not. Probably not. And and you know, but those, but but I feel like the world needs people like us. Absolutely. Um, I think that there are people who are great at working in groups, and there are activities that require that, and that's great. Mm -hmm. But I think when you are sort of swimming upstream, mm -hmm. you end up having to carry those people with you. And the boat is full, and you're rowing, but it's still, heavier. You still right? have to keep going. That's right. So sometimes I think to be by myself on the boat is lighter. Mm -hmm. I can just row. You can just get it done, and then you can say, okay, guys, we're here. All right, Come on so, over. so I've opened the pack. Come on. You know, I found the way to the end. So, Emlyn, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about, I talked about this meeting a year ago, Dre's House yeah. Radio Show. Yeah. Um, fast forward until December of last year, uh, you opened up your theater for my family and I to have an amazing, Aww, private my theater experience. Yes. And I have to tell you, and I have to tell anybody that's listening, um, the experience. Yeah. Experience. So if you think of COVID with none of us traveling too much, yeah. none of us doing our, our favorite mm -hmm. uh, watering hole, and not really going out, the experience that a small gathering of my family had to be able to come to this theater where mm -hmm. my son was able to show a movie that he created for my my wife and for so us to uh, see that 
for us to enjoy the entire theater, the yeah. amazing food, the amazing yeah. drinks. That day well, is going to be, you know, tops, not top five, but tops in my family for Aww. a very, very Thank long you. time. That so was one of my favorite events. That was, uh, that was amazing. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. And uh, being a fan of yours, I'm following you on social media. Yeah. I saw you had an amazing experience for Valentine's Day. Yes, that was wonderful. Just to have couples be able to come and celebrate Valentine's Day and they were able to pick whatever movie they wanted to watch. And we gave them wine and candy and uh, Dre has an amazing hand sanitizer yes. that we gave out as, yes. a, as a gift, as we do to many of our um, sort of uh, event people. We like to give them a little goodie bag on the way out. Um, so yeah, it. it yeah, it, it fills my heart. It, it's, it's a beautiful thing, and uh, that's empowering. We talk about power, so that yeah. that's empowering by by itself. So, yeah. uh, I mean, with all that you do, the name of this podcast is Wind Down with Kev. How do you wind down? How do you wind down from being a wife, a mom, an entrepreneur, community service? How do you get down to zero? Well... <laughs> You know, I was thinking about that the other day. <laughs> I was, because I was stressed. Um, and not stressed in like the stress sense, but more like I had so many things to do and, and you get overwhelmed. And sometimes I just have to read. I love reading. Yes. I'm reading Obama's new book. Yes. Um, Stacey Abrams has some great books. Yes. Michelle Obama has great books. Yes. I love reading Oprah's books. Yes. Um, Hillary had a great book. A lot of those leaders have amazing books. Um, Tyler Perry has one also. T.D. Jakes called Soar. Amazing books. Now, you read in hard copy? I'm an Audible person. I'm, I listen to a book a week on Audible. So I still love books. Okay, turn in the pages. Because I like highlighting and okay. going back. Every book to me is like a reference guide, right? Okay. But due to lack of time, I've had to resort to listening. And now I'm like still writing notes and I'm listening and I got to go find where he said that before. It's a little more difficult. Yes. Uh, but when you don't have a lot of time and you still need just something, I think part of what those books do for me mm -hmm. is it reminds me that other people are in the same, have been in the same boat. Um, and also that in the end, they all come out of it. Yes. You know, always we, make, we make it. it uh, we make it through. Obama's uh, journey to the presidency was not easy. You talk about financial pressures, the pressure he had to yes. bring money home while yes. Michelle yes. was carrying the family. It was not easy. And how they laid in bed at night in silence. Yes, <laughs> so. yes. It's, it's, it's not easy. The, yeah. the end of yeah. the game yeah. looks good, but uh, there's a part of the book where uh. he wants to run for office again, and she's asking him, that's all ambitious and great, but we have student loans, we have a mortgage, we have kids that are going to attend school. How are we going to pay for this? He says, well, uh, I am working on a book. He said, okay, so we're going to feed the family with another dream of yours. Yes. <laughs> another, another dream is going to put food on the table. None of it's easy. Yeah. None of, none yeah. of it's easy. Yeah. So I, I read those books you're talking yeah. about right now. I'm listening to So reading to, is, is definitely it's, it a It definitely great takes way. you away. Yeah. It takes yeah. you away yeah. and you get to hear someone else's backstory and you get away from it. So yeah. that's a good one. Because we get so caught up in our own story. Mm -hmm. And, and there are days where I'm like, I hate this story. <laughs> this is not a good story It's, it's too hard. At all. Yeah, it's I'm too at, hard. I'm in the process of launching um, next week my own video on demand. So sort okay. of my own Netflix. Okay. And it has been a journey and a half. And as we get ready to kind of shoot the commercial and put this out there, I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling <laughs> overwhelmed. Yes. But I, but there's a part of me that feels like I was built for this. Yeah, well, like you, what I do, this is what I'm supposed to do. Absolutely, and it's supposed to be hard. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Everybody, everybody but when would does it get easy? Does it not get easy? Because uh, that, that's really bad news. Well, <laughs> if you're gonna sit here and uh, tell me, Emmeline, this is how it is. It doesn't get easier. Well, You've been, your business, how long now? Well, I've, I've been, I've been uh, with Allstate for over 30 years. I've owned my own business for 
14 years. But this is my first year in business because the world changed. Mm. So I'm a brand new employee at my business. Mm. I have zero experience in running a business in a digital world. Ah. So today was my first day and tomorrow will be my first day again. So I'll have to learn again. I have to approach it that way so I don't rely on my old ways of doing business. I have an office staff, I have remote staff, I have customers that are adjusting. Yeah. So you have to, it has to be the first day over and over and over again and it's never stayed and I'm very passionate about uh, about what I'm doing so that's what keeps me going yeah um, it's exhausting though. <laughs> it's always exhausting but I, I, I pray to be this exhausted is very very fulfilling it's a gift right it's, to be exhausted very, somebody reminded very, me the I, other day yeah I want to die empty I don't want to carry any bags uh, I don't want any boxes that I didn't open I want it all okay. to be done I want it all to be done so that's my goal to finish it all mm. while I'm here and while I can. But um, I wanted to come back. We've talked a lot about what you have going. Yeah. What's next for Stewart Cinema and what's next for Emily Stewart? So we're launching our own, like I said, our own sort of Netflix mm -hmm. for the for the cinema and this will allow us to show films in the theater or at home for the mm -hmm. for the like you said, the new population that's not coming back to theaters. We wanted to make sure that we had our foot in that market. Um, so that's what the on-demand is going to do for us. It's also going to allow me to create a distribution deal for filmmakers. Outstanding. So that they'll be able to have maybe a one-week run in the theater and then go right to video on-demand. And then we're going to try to partner with other theaters to do like a, a major distribution deal. And for anybody an that missed that, and to make sure I understand, yeah. by you having a distribution deal for filmmakers, that means I come to you with a film you can get it distributed and I can make some money for my pockets. That's right, that's the point. Good. That is absolutely the point. And also the great thing about this platform I'm launching is that 10% of the money made from the platform is gonna go back to community programs. So people will be able to use the theater for free. Um, so I'll be able to open it up to communities, but also like our seniors will be able to watch movies for free and the kids will be able to do things. We can't really fund that unless we have some other source. So, so you're creating time, yeah. a whole revenue stream that's and right. um, giving back to the community is yes. everything. And when that's yes. your purpose, when we talk about yeah. money as a driver, my, yeah. my financial driver is to get more so I can give more. That's right. Because there's so much giving that needs to be done uh, no matter what we have individually. We don't have enough to afford to be able to solve major problems, things that keep us up at night that really, really bother yes, us. Yes, and, and beyond that, uh, I want to build a second, so Stuart Cinema 2. Okay. Uh, so I'm looking around just to see what a good location would be for that. But ultimately, I want to open a school for artists, a business school. A business school for artists. What would yeah. you teach there? How do they make money? Yes. How do they put themselves in a situation where they can create more projects, right? Because for artists, creating is just so they can create more. Yes. It's never just, I'm going to create this and that's it, right? right. It's, I'm going to make this movie so I can make a bigger movie, so I can make another movie. Um, but what happens is they make that first movie and don't make any money from it. So making the second one becomes even more difficult, right? Because a lot of them are carrying debt from the first movie. Um, and so to be able to open those doors. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe in the future I see my own TV channel, my own, you know, cable network. We'll see. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. I got Dre's really blessing that we, uh, that, that we wrapped it up. So with that, let's toast to the uh, yes. future success. Yes. Stewart Cafe Cinema to great things in the future to the videos on demand your cable channel and everything else that you have in mind Thank you you see in the future Thank Enjoy. you. Thanks. This is Wind Down with Kev signing off Thank you for tuning in to Wind Down with Kev You can find Kevin Span, the insurance guru on Facebook at AKS Insurance Instagram at Kevin Span underscore insurance guru and on Twitter at Kevin Span Guru have a topic you would like to discuss or a guest you would like to see on the show? Send Kevin an email at kevinspan at allstate.com.